Hello and welcome to The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to resource and support them towards growth in all areas of their life, personal, spiritual and professional. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, which you're listening to, our online courses, the Catholic Women's Masterclass and our coaching programs for Catholic women. If you'd like to learn about any of these initiatives, please visit our website, www.geniusproject.co or you can find us on Instagram, genius underscore project underscore daily. On this week's episode of The Genius Podcast, we are going to dive deeper into this whole area of restoration. I really believe that there is a move of the Holy Spirit right now in the hearts of women to bring about this restoration, to bring women to the fullness of who he has created them to be. Throughout Lent, we chose the book Restore by Sister Miriam James Heitland, and we worked through this in our Genius Project community. This book was incredibly insightful for Lent, but I want to encourage you, if you missed out on doing this book for Lent, still get a copy because it is so rich in this area of how the Lord wants to bring about restoration in each of our lives as women. So joining me on this week's episode of The Genius Podcast is Sister Miriam James Heitland, the author of the book Restore. Sister Miriam James is a member of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, a missionary community that serves global areas of deepest apostolic need. Sister Miriam James has served at various SALT missions, including Rome, Seattle, and Texas. Sister Miriam is a former Division I athlete. She is the co-host of the Abiding Together podcast, and she works and serves at the John Paul II Healing Center. Sister Miriam's great passion is to communicate a message of Christ's love and the power that that love has in transforming us and bringing healing and restoration to our soul. We are so blessed to have Sister Miriam as a guest on the Genius Podcast this week. So ladies, I invite you to sit back, relax and enjoy our conversation. Well, Sister Miriam, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's such a gift and a joy to have you joining us all the way from the United States. So welcome. Oh, thank you, Karen. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, it's just lovely to have you joining us because we actually worked through your book, Restore, as our mm. Lenten book study, which I know many women around the world did. And it was so rich and so deep. And I think that was the feedback from a lot of women that it just had mm. some real meat and some guts in it and depth, which took them to a deeper place in their relationship with the Lord, because mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners have been walking their faith for many, many years. And mm-hmm. so what they're hungry for is, I guess, that invitation to go deeper with the Lord and your book really did that. So I just wanted to say thank you for your yes to the Lord, for your vocation and the gift that the book was. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad it blessed you. I, that was my heart of just a, a gentle invitation just to you know, go to the deeper places with the Lord and Lent's a perfect time to do that. So I'm, I'm glad that it was fruitful for you. And I, I'm glad that it went yeah, to places maybe unexplored or places we haven't thought about in a while, or just all God is always doing something new. So that's, that's wonderful. I'm glad. Yeah, he is. And I think sometimes, I mean, in my journey, I've been, I grew up a Catholic and went through Catholic high schools and youth groups and all of those things. And So when you've been walking the faith for many years, sometimes you reach a point where you think, not that you think that you've got it all sorted, but life can become a little bit stale. And so that it was such a gift to reignite those places. I often get a real kick out of seeing people who come to the Lord for the first time, like their hunger Mm -hmm. and their, it's just everything is fresh and new for them. And Mm -hmm. so for those of us who have been walking 
the faith for, for many years. It's nice to have that experience. And I think your book did that. So thanks. Oh, good. I'm glad we all need that. Don't we, we in every really, relationship, there's always, there's always more. And I think it's easy to forget that in ourselves and in others and in the Lord, it's certainly so good. I'm mm. so glad. Yeah, it's fantastic. So sister Miriam, I'd love you to share maybe a little bit about your background with the women. Mm. I know that you were a division one athlete and am I correct in believing that you were a left-handed volleyball player? Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, that's very astute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I that's quite a skill. I played volleyball in high school and oh, okay, yeah. Um, just serving and everything. Like if someone mm-hmm. does left-handed serve, it's completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. It, it it is an asset to be left-handed in sports. That's actually why I was recruited because the, they had one scholarship left for the team that I played for, and the coach was looking for a left-handed girl. So oh. that's actually why I got recruited. So yeah, I learned a lot. Um, but I yeah, I grew up loving sports. I went, you know, my family is Catholic. You know, grew up going to mass every Sunday. My parents were very serious about that. And I made my first communion and confirmation, things like that. And, and we did a family rosary. I mean, we're good Sunday going people. And my parents were part of the, my dad was a nice of Columbus and just all the things. But I, as a, when I was young, I had never fallen in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I learned what I thought were the rules of Catholicism, which I came to later found out, found out, find out it wasn't even that it was, you know, different facets. And a a lot of our, our faith practice was, you know, kind of fear-based of like, okay, don't do this. Otherwise you're going to go to hell. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, and, and yeah, is there mortal sin? And and is that, is hell a reality? Yes, it is. But ultimately God is calling us toward love. And I, I just had never met Jesus. I didn't, I had never met him. I never met him. And it wasn't until I was in college, as you mentioned, playing volleyball in college, and I wanted to work for a sports network ESPN one day or something like that. I had a lot of secrets in my life, a lot of trauma. I have a lot of things that I'd never faced. And um, the person that God sent into my life was a Catholic priest. Really? And his his witness, first and foremost, his witness of loving Christ. I'd never met anybody who loved Jesus like that. It was mm-hmm. It was so captivating. And he'd been a priest a long time. He was much older. And this man love Jesus. He loved his priesthood. He loved people. And that was captivating. And, you know, he just spiritually fathered me and he, he would tell me the truth, whether I wanted to hear it or not. And he was attentive and he was kind and he was very strong in his words when he would correct me. And I was just, I just remember looking at him one day and he was just radiant, just beautiful. And I, I could see many times Jesus looking at me through his eyes and I just remember standing before him one day and he was, he was from India and his brother large imposing about six foot two, you know, very large. And, and I just remember looking at him saying, I don't, I like, I don't know what you've got like this radiance. I don't know what that is, but I want that. Like whatever that is, I want that. And, and he just smiled and he said, you come and see. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I graduated from college and then went down to one of our missions in New Mexico, which is the Southern part of the United States. And I, there, I heard Jesus call me. I had a distinct experience of hearing God call me. And that was, you know, 24 years ago. And so that was the very beginning really of a healing journey for me. It was, that was the beginning. And so it's, it's continued to this day as I sit here before you, I'm not perfect. I'm always growing and I never want to graduate from the school of love. I'm always learning. And I, I want the Lord to open my heart every day, even more. So, yeah. Beautiful. When you said you were called, was that Mm -hmm. to become a sister, your vocation or called into that deeper relationship with him? Did you have that distinct calling for religious life then? Yes. So that for me was when I heard Jesus call me to be his bride, to be a religious sister. That's what a religious sister is. She's a bride of Christ. And that's the most important thing about our life 
it's an eschatological sign. It's a sign of heaven. And so when you see a religious sister, you're seeing the face of the bride that the scriptures talk about the new Jerusalem, the new Zion. And she represents physically in a small way, what all of us will live in eternity. And it's why we find religious sisters so beautiful is because it's, it captures something more than we can imagine, but it's the desire of every human heart. And, and so it was at that moment where I heard, I heard the Lord call me and in, in many ways, it made a lot of my decisions. It made sense to me because it helped me understand why my heart wasn't fully satisfied, where I could see the beauty. Mm-hmm. I love marriage. I love children. I love men. I just, I love that whole sacrament. I just think it's beautiful, but I know my heart is just made differently. And it just helped me understand in that moment of like, kind of what was going on. And I mean, I had a lot of just toxic relationships too, when I was younger, because I, I was in so much trauma myself, but it also, it helped me more importantly, understand the deeper places of my heart. Mm. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. And so, yeah, that was 24 years ago. So I joined a missionary community called the society of our lady of the most holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've been with them ever since. Wow. So. so how many years have you been fully vowed and everything now? So fully vowed. So I've been in my community almost 24 years. So this December I will be vowed 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, thank you. And I know that like if you had a signature message, if someone could say what your signature message was, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really is around preaching this message of authentic love, isn't it? And and healing that comes when we encounter authentic love, which was your experience encountering that priest and Christ through him. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, our hearts, there's so much that happens to us. You mentioned you've been through your own trauma in life and you know, I know I've been through my grief and loss and, and everybody has a story yeah. to tell of yes. hurt, pain, challenge, trauma. Mm. And it's what we do with that that directs yeah. the rest of our life. And it's really coming in touch and, and encountering Christ's love that can reach into those broken places and transform them so that they become mm-hmm. a gift to others. And, you know, there's that term that Henry Nguyen uses is the wounded healer, that God yes. can take those broken places, restore them, mm-hmm. and then bring some beauty from that and act as a witness, you know, for other people to encounter Christ. And mm-hmm. this, this message of authentic love, I'd love to dive into with you because John Paul II said, you know, our lives are senseless without mm-hmm. love. And that yeah. is the whole, you know, we are created in love, we are created for love. And I'd love you to share a little bit about your heart and your passion for this message of communicating what authentic love is to people. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you, Karen. Yes. You did such a beautiful job of explaining that. And, and it is true. It's only authentic love that heals us. And we often say at the John Paul II healing center in our retreats that, you know, wherever love is, wherever authentic love is healing is constantly occurring. Mm. It's like, it is, it's continues. And that's the beautiful thing is that Jesus is always bringing us to new places, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically as men and women. And he never tires of that. And his heart is to bring us into wholeness and communion because that's what healing is. And healing isn't fixing. So Jesus has not come to fix us. He doesn't come to have us get our act together. He doesn't ask us to fix ourselves or fix our spouses or anybody else as much as we would probably like to sometimes (laughs) that he comes to heal us. And that's a very different relationship dynamic. I mean, to fix is to kind of, you know, get it together and go on your way, but to heal, to bring in a wholeness and communion, that's signifying a relationship. And so because Jesus is real and because he's alive and because his heart is for us, his desire is to bring us into wholeness and communion. And that's just not a nice thing. We tell kids at CCD or youth group, but that's our whole life. That's the deepest ache of our life is to be 
is to forever give ourselves in, in eternal love, a love that will never fail us, mm-hmm. a love that will never wound us, a love that will never leave us, a love that only blesses, that speaks the truth, that brings us to life, that no matter what faith practice people have, that's the desire of the human heart. It is to give, to give meaning, to give ourselves, to receive another, to, to make something beautiful in this world. And, and that's the life of Christ. And he he's calling us home. And so that's, that's the Christian, that's the triumph of, of life over death. It's the triumph of light over darkness. And, and that's what God is doing right now in every single one of our lives. Absolutely. As you're sharing then, um, I, what came to mind, excuse me, <coughs> um, what came to mind was the movie Father Stew. Have you had the chance to see oh, that? I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard okay. a lot about it. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so my um, my husband and I, we've been married for 21 years. And last wow. week, my parents were down visiting. And so we had our 21st wedding anniversary and they we went away for a night. And we ended up going oh. to see the movie Father Stew. And it was so deeply moving. I actually took my dad back the next day to watch it a second time. Yeah. Yeah, But Jonathan and I were talking over dinner after the movie and it really impacted him because the story is very much this encounter with authentic love. It's so deeply Mm -hmm. moving of um, like his brokenness and then through Mm -hmm. to this redemption and we call it healing, but and I don't want to do a big spoiler, but, you know, he, he encounters a, a health crisis mm. and God does not take that away from him. So he doesn't heal us. Mm. And I love that you pick up on this thing of fixing because in our minds, so often we can think, why won't he take this? Like, why won't he mm-hmm. fix this? So he's not faithful because he's not changing it. Mm-hmm. But you make the beautiful point, And this is, it was in our conversation over dinner was just that it's about really growing into this deeper relationship with him where our hearts become one with him. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the circumstances are around us, that he comes, he comes into us and we come into communion with him. And that is mm-hmm. the healing power, isn't it? Right there is that relationship. Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's, that is his desire. And, and that's why it's never exhausted or it's never in that sense finished of mm-hmm. because love never ends. Mm. Like love never ends. And that's why, you know, every fairy tale in the Western world ends with it. And they lived happily ever after. Like that's a Christian worldview like mm. that, that never ends. And I think in all the places where we feel like God has not answered our prayers or the places where we feel hopeless or despairing, it's, it's very easy to believe a different story. And, and even in that Jesus comes to unite our hearts to him and to unite his life to ours. Like he's so, I've never met anybody as gracious as Jesus. He, mm. He's so kind and respectful and honoring and loving and just so reverential of who we are. He's, he's so lovely. He's just so lovely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear a bit more about your story, Sister Miriam, around, I guess, this encounter that you had, because you do talk about having this profound encounter with God's love and you touched on your experiences growing up and, and I know mm-hmm. that you share this publicly, but just that experience of love, of um, abandonment, that you you had yeah. that wound of abandonment that mm-hmm. I guess we all encounter and we all sustain wounds in our life and there comes a, a yeah. point and it's usually through crisis, right, that mm-hmm. those come to the surface. Um, and I'm wondering if you might be open to sharing a little bit about your experience of that happening for you. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I really believe as I grow older and I just, you know, journey in my own story and I meet so many people and hear stories, you know, what I realize more and more is that every single one of us has, we have wounds, every single person, no matter how they present on the surface, 
Every single one of us has wounds. And, you know, the word trauma is the Greek word for wound. Mm -hmm. And every single one of us, every single one of us, just by virtue of living this side of heaven has places where love has been ruptured, where love has been withheld or love has been withdrawn. And, and most of us are deeply ashamed of these places. And so, which is why we spend most of our life trying to pretend like we don't have them or they're so painful. And we're so afraid of the messages that are embedded in these wounds that we don't want to go near them because we're afraid that it might be true. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the ways, you know, in the catechism, it says, you know, the, 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 the parent's job is, the, you know, it's the most important job because m- children receive their first taste of God through their mother and father. And so all of us, because our parents are not perfect, they're just people, all of our parents pass on things that are beautiful and they pass on things that are sorrowful. Mm-hmm. And no parent can love us perfectly. No parent can love us in every way we need. And so all of us just, we just sustain wounds and, you know, we kind of usually try to survive and we keep going and, and there's a wonderful saying in healing circles. And I mentioned it in the restore book that suffering that is not transformed is transmitted. And so the things in our life that are very painful, that are unpleasant, are sorrowful mysteries, those don't just go away. Mm-hmm. They will just transmit the pain onto everybody else around it, us, whether overtly or covertly until these places are, are gently transformed by the Lord. And there's many ways that he does that. And I, so it took me a very long time to even realize that I had wounds. If you would have asked me, even when I first entered religious life, I just, God bless that young woman. I've learned to love her. Like I've learned to love myself in all these different ages where before I held a lot of shame and self-contempt, but I, I, I had no idea. And I was just trying to survive. And I, it wasn't until I came into the convent that I really learned how to be a woman that I really learned about the heart, about love. And I had trauma from the womb, even uh, from the womb of being, you know, conceived out of wedlock. My biological parents were in high school. They're 17 years old. And obviously I'm not married and, you know, I I can guarantee it was not a pleasant surprise. And I don't know this for a fact, but I just have a deep intuition that at some point my mother thought of aborting me. Um, and I was given up for adoption and I wasn't ready to be adopted right away. So I was put in a foster home. And so by the time my parents adopted me, who had been waiting many, many years for a girl, like they waited so many years and they prayed so deeply, but by the time I was adopted, that was mother number three for me by the time I was three months old. And so you can hear already in my own heart, the rupture of attachment of rejection of shame and, um, just the deep trauma that comes with that. And then also being sexually abused at 11 years old and just the, 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 you know, how I turned to alcohol and promiscuity and just all the ways that tried to kind of stop the pain, which is most of what we're doing in our addictions, whatever it is, we're just trying to get the pain to stop and just trying to manage well. And I thought, well, if I was just pretty enough and skinny enough and funny enough and good enough at volleyball, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Cause I, if I, you were to ask me, I'd be like, I'm fine. Like I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that my heart was absolutely shattered. I had no idea until many years and, you know, into religious life when I started having not only the time, but people to help me along this journey. So it's through the encounter that we have with people that love us, that we experience that love from people and also from the Lord. And it's been, uh, you know, like I would say about 17 years ago, I kind of hit bottom. I was in religious life several years and I just remember sitting on the floor one day and looking in our chapel, looking at Jesus and the monsters during adoration. I just remember saying, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know what to do but I can't do this. And by this, I meant like, live like this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And that was the beginning of a thought that came on. Well, maybe the things that had happened to me, maybe they were actually having a profound effect still on my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting here before you today in the midst of a 17 year restoration journey. And I've learned so much along the way and I've laughed and cried and I've triumphed and I failed. And I've been just, you know, deeply blessed and also just in my own, seen my own wonderful poverty and 
so every, like that restore book is you're really holding my heart in your hands. Like this is, this is my life that I'm sharing with you. And I believe in it, which is why I can speak about it. I believe in it. It's not magic. Jesus doesn't work magic. He comes into our life and he transforms us through his love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that requires us to live the life he did his Paschal mystery and his suffering and his death and mystery and all kinds of things we don't know. Cause we're so little, but he yeah. comes, he, he just, he loves us. He just continues to come. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Because I, I think in listening to your story, my experience of reading the book, Crystal, was very much that, that that was, mm. you were very tender and very vulnerable. Mm. And it was only through your own experience that you can lead others. You're ahead of so many on the journey and, and such a gift. But I think when we do experience trauma and pain, and like you mm-hmm. said, you functioned, you're a high functioning person for a long mm-hmm. time. And so mm-hmm. many of us are like, we, we appear and we look fantastic and social media doesn't help that either because everything is so mm-hmm. curated and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But behind that, we all have this story. And I think yeah. the one thing that's really important to remember is we all carry some levels of shame and blame and, mm-hmm. and wounding And Mm -hmm. what happens when we experience that is that we tend to withdraw, we go into hiding. So we Mm -hmm. do present the face that we want people to see, the face that we think everyone will love and accept. Mm -hmm. But inside, and I know so many women, I know I've been through this myself, are struggling. And, you know, that interior kind of struggle to bring our, our exterior self and our interior self together and so that we become integrated and whole and authentic. Mm Mm-hmm. But you touched mm-hmm. on the fact that we, we can't do that on our own. Like that mm-hmm. healing, what happens when we get hurt in life is we do withdraw and, and you can mm-hmm. feel a thing because I know you're, you know, specializing in this area of healing. But very simply, when we're hurt, we put up walls and we think those walls yeah. are protecting us from being hurt again, but they actually trap the pain inside. Mm-hmm. And there does come a point where we can no longer continue with that whether it's the vocation of religious life or whether it's marriage raising children those sort of pressures at a particular point in life bring these things to the surface Mm -hmm. and we can either choose and I do believe it is a choice we can choose to deal with them or we can choose not to deal with them Mm -hmm. can you speak a little for a moment into that capacity to choose like God gives Mm -hmm. us this free will Mm -hmm. so many people I think when they get to this point, they feel like they are victims. They feel powerless against what's happened to them. Can you mm-hmm. speak a little bit into that power of choice that we actually have? Sure. Yeah. Yes. You did such a great job of, of synthesizing the kind of how hurt happens in our life. And, and I just want to say like for all of us, you know, here today, as we listen to this and that every single one of us, you know, all of us have those places where it just hasn't been safe enough mm-hmm. to trust and our walls exist, they do protect us. And, and, and it's our hearts telling us that are, that we're in pain. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we hate those places. Even we're like, why can't I just open my heart up? What's wrong with me? And, and the truth is, you know, I often say, there's nothing wrong with you. Your heart's just been broken. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, it's safety that leads to healing. And, and a lot of that is the safety of experiencing love that is consistent, that is kind, that is true. And it's also us being willing to cooperate with that grace as well. And, and like you're saying very beautifully, all of us have a choice where, you know, when we, we have uncomfortable feelings or we have memories that come, or we have disagreements with people, or, you know, all of us have a choice where we can either pretend that's not happening. You know, we can lash out at the person in front of us. Uh, We can try to stuff it down and say, I shouldn't feel this way. And none of those things are helpful. So, you know, one of my favorite prayers that I pray all the time that I just invite people to consider is, 
just to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm. Like, why am I, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I keep doing that? Like, you know, whatever pattern is in my life, like what is my, you know, repetitive sin in my life or what are the relational dynamics? Because nothing comes out of nowhere and nothing stays out of nowhere. So there's always a reason why it's our hearts telling us something. And so for us to be able to even, even many times, the first step is just sitting with our uncomfortable feelings for a second and just saying, and naming them saying, I'm feeling really disappointed right now, or I'm feeling really left out. I'm feeling unwanted. And just the power of naming that of like, okay, Jesus, what's you know, what's happening in my life right now, or what is this hearkening to, or, you know, I have this pervasive feeling like I hate myself or I'm unworthy, whatever that is, our hearts are always trying to speak to us. And so the Lord loves us so much that he's going to allow things to happen in our life uh, to bring us to a place to where our hearts can be open to receive him. And I mentioned, you know, in the book that, you know, the enemy is like a sniper, Satan's like a sniper, and he's always trying to destroy us and take us out. And, and, you know, our gifts and our wounds lie side by side many times. And, it's in these very places where our hearts have been broken, where we feel like there's no life beyond it. These are the, in these very places is exactly the place where Jesus opens our heart. Mm -hmm. But, but all of us, you know, nobody can make that decision for us and nobody can, like Jesus says to the the paralytic man, you know, do you want to be well? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to be well? And I think all of us have places in our heart where we're like, yes, Lord, I want to be well. I want to be well here. And then all of us have places where like, can I think about that and get back to you? Like, I don't, <laughs> I kind of like, I kind of like that grudge. I kind of, you know, it's just, we're so, we're so little, we're just so poor. It's just so great. So Jesus yeah. always asks us, you know, do you want to be well? Yeah. Do you want to be well? And so, okay, so what am I willing, how am I willing to cooperate, not fix myself or not introspect or scratch at myself, but mm. okay, Lord, you know, like father Jacques Philippe says, you know, how, how will I respond now? So how would you like to respond now? Because we don't have to keep going down the path we've been going on. And that's the wonderful good news of the gospel. Yeah, I think we forget that, don't we? Like we forget yes. that we are actually caught up in the Paschal mystery. And yes. the Paschal mystery mm -hmm. is, yes, it is the suffering. Yes, it is the death, but it has the resurrection. So yes. that there is always hope. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, these last two years of the pandemic, I've found just you know, rubbing shoulders with so many different people and, and walking with women very closely is there is this pervading sense of hopelessness that we yeah. are really stuck in Good Friday. We're stuck in that death season or that season of suffering. And I just really want to encourage women to hold on to hope that mm -hmm. we, as Catholics, as Christians, you know, we, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that there is hope and that he restores mm -hmm. because of that. So I just, I want to speak a message of hope to women that today as well, that if you are going through a really difficult time to hold on to hope because mm -hmm. those valleys don't last forever. No, they don't. And I think, in those places, especially of, of hopelessness or despair or places that seem where we seem powerless, I think a really great question we can ask ourselves in the Lord is, you know, what am I believing about myself here? Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting, the beliefs we hold about ourselves in certain places, because Jesus was wounded, but he didn't believe the message that those wounds came in, you know, to mm -hmm. inflict upon him. So like, but we often do, like we, we experience sorrow and, and our first thought is, well, God's abandoned me. He doesn't love me. Or this always happens to me. I'm always such a victim. And so it's really amazing. That's something that, you know, when I find myself, you know, in my day-to-day -day life, I'm kind of, kind of down or getting stuck on something or ruminating where I feel powerless. I'm like, okay, what am I Holy spirit? What am I believing about myself here? Like, and it's amazing when we're honest of the things that will come out, like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that. Okay. Lord, what do you want to, what do you want to say? 
okay to me here. Cause these things, you know, they come with stories. And so sometimes we can be stuck in, you know, in deep places for a long time of just, you know, untapped grief, or we need to lament, or we need to let the anger out, like the places that are trapped that my goodness, you know, if, if we never allow the Holy spirit to come and visit us there, we just kind of, it remains in obscurity and our hearts mm-hmm. remain stuck in the tomb versus not getting over, but moving through that with the Lord from the resurrection into the ascension. And, and that's a cycle that he, that Paschal mystery that he unites his life to us and he unites our life to his so that we're never alone. Like we just heard that in the gospel today, you know, Jesus says, I, you know, you're going to leave me alone, but I'm not alone because the father is with me. Mm-hmm. And I've told you this, that you would have peace in me because in the, in the world, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. You're tells have us trouble, that, but over, yes. Like, so yes, we, and, we always seem yeah. surprised when trouble hits. Isn't that true? But he's told us it's going to hit. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I, I find that, sorry, I interrupted you, but I, I think that's no, a good point to make that we are so surprised yeah. when we hit difficulty, but Jesus told us it would happen. And you were, Mm. sorry, I cut you off, but you were going to say, he does say that, but he also Mm. says to hold on to him, doesn't he? Yeah, that he's over, that he's overcome the world. And, Mm. you know, Karen, we all, I think we all can admit every single person on earth has a mix of light and darkness Mm -hmm. and they have a mix of good things and and things that are sorrowful. Nobody's perfect. Nobody, all of us are on a journey and only God is God. And thank God, like, thank God he is God because He's the only person who fully knows us, who fully receives us all the time, who understands us and who's always with us. And it's his love. My spiritual director says, you know, all of our suffering and sorrow, all of our heartache, that all has an expiration date. Hmm. He said, but love never does. Love always was before it is now. And it always will be. And so our suffering is not our identity and it's not the end of the story. And Jesus shows us that by his own life. He doesn't just theoretically talk about it. He actually lives that and still lives now. Like it's just amazing. He's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is so wonderful. And I think sometimes we have to get to the absolute end of ourselves before Mm. we fall into that place. And my encounters with the Lord in this way have been very much that experience of just falling into his love. As you were talking, I I came to mind um, the start of the pandemic. And if you remember, sort of, we went into lockdown and we didn't know it was a lot of uncertainty, whether it would be a week, a month, ended up being a number of months. And for Jonathan and myself, our business has been hit very hard through the experience of the pandemic. We do a lot of travel and speaking and a lot of our work is actually in the United States. So all of that came to a screaming halt. Mm -hmm. And I remember just that uncertainty was a very uncomfortable feeling of just opportunities that have been taken away and stopped and income and raising the kids and then having to homeschool the kids. And I remember being completely overwhelmed in those early days of lockdown and going in each night, it was cold and, and we've got a heated bathroom floor. And so I'd sit on that bathroom floor, Jonathan, everyone had gone to bed and that would be my time of prayer. But I ended up just lying there and just sobbing really just and and it was that experience of I can't control any of this Lord and so it's very frightening and scary and just that encounter of falling into God's love coming to the end Mm. of myself and I I remember a friend sent me a song it's from Bethel the church and it's called it's going to be okay and that's a good one I'd never heard it but it was just so beautiful. You know, I, I think I'm trying to remember the words for the song. When the night's closing in, don't give up, don't give in. It's not the end. It's going to be yeah. okay. Yes. And I just felt that the Lord and also the Blessed Mother was there just singing and speaking those words, it's going to be okay. And and I think that the Lord does that for all of us, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. When we do yeah. reach that place of 
just, I, I like the word coming to the end of ourselves because we exhaust mm. our resources for coping and our strategies for fixing. And we realize that none of that can actually help us. It, it helps yeah. a little bit, but the ultimate change agent, the ultimate thing that's going to bring about that transformation is Jesus' love in those moments. Yes. Oh yeah. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. I think that was, you know, that was a quite a time. And even now, like you just kind of see the uncertainty of so many things in the world. And there's mm-hmm. like, you know, just such a spirit of fear that's tangible and just so many different realities in our life in the church and society. And, you know, just, it's just in, you know, the rising cost of everything. It's just like, people are afraid and mm-hmm. it's like the world's changing rapidly and it's, it's beyond our control. And we don't really know what's, where it's going to go. We're just seeing things we've never seen before. And, and it is true. Like all of our ways of trying to control that or trying to, you know, trying to mitigate against that. It, it's, it's like at some point, you know, we just come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know what's happening or I don't know what is going to happen, but I, I love you. And here's my poverty and here are my fears and here's what I'm afraid might happen. And, and the, I, I just love that Jesus, like when he's with you, like he didn't leave you either. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't asking you to be something you weren't. He was just with you there on the bathroom floor, just holding your head in his lap, probably and just letting you be there and just loving you there. And, mm. and I think in Matt, in that simple little way is how we get through so many things. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you had an experience like that where you just collapse into his love? You're talking about being in adoration. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, having that encounter is, is beautiful, but then we have to stand up and keep going. So when you had Mm -hmm. your encounter in the chapel, how did Mm -hmm. you then stand up and keep going? What did you, what steps did you actually take? for yourself. Yeah. Well, that particular encounter of when I just, you know, realized I was at my own, like you said, the end of my own resources. I, I just remember, I I didn't know what to do, but I found like a self-help book. It's, I, it's really funny. There's a popular uh, therapist on TV. His name is Dr. Phil and he's been on TV for like 20 years. And I liked him. I'm like, I don't know. I should read a book by Dr. Phil. I go like, (laughs) God bless Dr. Phil for like helping start my healing journey because it was just started to get me to ask questions. And then And then God just opened up a whole nother window to things, you know, and I started going to recovery meetings. I began to just devour books. I could, every book I could read about attachment or about addiction or about love or healing. And then I got opened my door to retreats and I started going on retreats. And then I met one person who introduced me to somebody else. And I can look back now in the last 17 years or longer than that, even, but like say the last 17 years of like, oh my gosh. But I remember that like the Lord invited me to something. I didn't, I didn't know where to start, but I started in one place and I just kept going. And, and I think that's, that's the response of grace of, you know, like father Jacques Philippe, like how will, you know, how will I respond now? And I, I mean, I, that's our, that's our daily life. Like that's the life of holiness of, of allowing the Lord to come and bring us home every day. And, you know, going to the places where we want to self-protect or be self-reliant or, okay, Jesus come and love me where I'm most vulnerable, most dependent. And there's seasons to healing too. There's like, just like there's the seasons of the year, there's a seasons to healing where, you know, we have like deep spring, like there's new time, like, like the resurrection of new time. And then it's summer and then something else will come to the surface. And it'll be like a fall and then we'll have a winter where it just feels like maybe something died or mm. something we can't. And then the Lord resurrects that. It's just so beautiful. Like just the healing, you know, healing is not linear. It's, it's cyclical. And Jesus, every time he revisits a place in our heart, he's always doing something new in that place. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful journey. It, it's worth it. People ask me all the time, is it worth it? And I can tell you without a doubt, it is worth it. It's right. worth it. Oh my gosh. What, where else shall we go? Mm, absolutely. I think um, we all have this desire, don't we, to be 
like fully who God created us to be. Yes, like that, that is yeah. our desire because he's constantly mm. drawing us to himself. But I don't know if this has been your experience, but there's also this resistance that happens in us. Mm-hmm. Like we want this healing. You touched on that. We want that. But mm-hmm. then we stay in these patterns that are not good for us or helpful for us. Can mm-hmm. you speak into that resistance for a moment to help us understand what's actually going on there? Well, we, we yeah. want healing, but then we <laughs> yeah. do the opposite. <laughs> Gosh, it's so true, isn't it, Karen? Like every, anytime we want to change something, no matter what's our eating or it's our even our time to go to bed at night, it's like, it's that's so funny. My, like we, That's my weakness. It's, <laughs> it's so every true. Night, it's, I'm like, I need to go to bed early. And then it's like late. I'm like, why am I still here? <laughs> this is not good for me. (laughs) It's so true. And I think like we talked about earlier about the trials, sometimes we think it's surprising to us. And, you know, there's a scientific reasons behind it. You know, brain scientists say that our brain seeks like homeostasis and your brain will always seek out what you know, because it's a survival machine. And so many times, so you'll literally experience like hormones released into your brain that will be like, I don't know if this is safe, kind of like danger, danger, or we'll experience a resistance of a lot of times it's fear Hmm. because we don't like something, but then that's what we know. It's comfortable to us. And who would I be if I let go of that? Yeah. So we don't, we don't know. And so many times it's difficult for us, or we're going to have to go through a death, like to really, okay, Lord, for me to really eat better or whatever, I, I need to be able to do a 30 day sugar detox or so. I, it's all the things that we're afraid of. And so I think I'm, I'm always about with the, do the one thing and do it well, like start with something small and then practice that for a while. And then to really be honest, it's almost like when we talked about fasting during Lent of like, what does it bring to the surface? Like, what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I set a boundary with somebody, or if I said no to the things that are just sucking the life out of me and the Lord's invited me to say no, but I'm afraid. Okay. What am I afraid of? And I think that can help kind of shed light on our whole inner world, which is really important. Otherwise we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result, which is, we know is like one of the definitions for insanity, but it's until we get really honest about what is my resistance? What am I afraid of? Like what's at the root of that? That will tell us a lot of things. And then we can move forward through that. And it takes like an every, you know, physiologically, it takes a while to implement change, but, but it can happen. And God gives us the grace to do that. I I just heard somebody recently say, and it's a catchphrase from somebody else, but they said, Jesus didn't come to earth to make bad people. Good. He came to, to make dead people alive. Mm. And so it's true. It's like the Lord is always inviting us to newness of life. And so today, like, where is he doing that in your life and my life? And he's, he's doing that in some place in all of our lives. Hmm. I, I think as you speak there, the scripture, I think it's, um, there's in the book of Mark, I think where it's the parable of the sower. And it just mm. popped into my mind that Jesus, you know, he scatters all these yeah. seeds and the seeds mm. fall in very different places. And there's a line that just came to mind that Satan comes to take that seed before it's been allowed to take root mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. life and and the other one that came to mind is just don't let the devil take a foothold in your life yeah. and mm-hmm. we can try and change our behaviors but you've mm-hmm. used that word root a number of times mm-hmm. and I think there's these roots in our life where experiences have happened and we can't change the behavior unless we're dealing with what's underneath it yeah. And I think Satan comes in at a very early age and attaches messages and vows and beliefs to our experiences. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually where we need to go. So if we're looking at why can't I go to bed early, it's, it's looking at what are those mindsets and what are those roots? What what is at the core there that's stopping us Mm -hmm. from responding and, and doing what could be helpful to us? 
Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. You articulated that very well. It's very true because our behavior actually just it flows out of what we truly believe, mm -hmm. which is why behavior modification by itself rarely works. Right. It's because it's everything. All of our behavior is being powered by something much deeper. So you're so yes. Until we go to the roots of why I'm doing what I'm doing, Holy Spirit, why do I? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. The behavior will continue, whatever it is. And so it's important for us. And that's why you know those are the scary places of our heart. Many times we don't want to go because we're afraid of. You know, so say, for example, if, you know, the resistance to eating well is really underneath a lie that I'm not worthy of that. I don't deserve good things that that's a deep place. Like, that's not just about, I'm eating 12 donuts a day. Like or that's, or starving myself. It's like, oh, these are the places where there's a little girl, there's a little boy inside who has deep, tender wounds. And the Lord would love to, to spend time there. And, and I'm all about how the Lord heals us. He heals us through the sacraments. He heals us through the sacrament of confession of the Holy Eucharist, through prayer, through confession, through spiritual direction, through good counseling, through books, through, you know, exercise, like God heals us in so many different ways. Like it's all, he's all about healing us as a whole person, not just part of us. And so, yeah, those, if we really want to see some sort of any sort of change in our life we have to let the lord go to the deep places which mm. is hard but it's, it's so that's hard isn't it place. yeah it is and it's so hard i remember lying on that bathroom floor i i was yeah. you know the resistance to um i think when i finally fell apart it's because of all these other things that were going on and and for mm -hmm. me it was i didn't want to be alone with all of that pain i, I yes. didn't want that that was and my encounter with the lord was that he was there when I finally mm -hmm. fell apart in that pain. Mm -hmm. Can you shed light, I guess, on some of those, we talked about mindsets and you just said some of the lies that people believe in your mm -hmm. work with people through the healing center and women particularly, what are some of the core beliefs and lies that you see women believing about yeah. themselves? Yeah, I think um, every human person has a, a mix of many things and, um, but I think women, especially and kind of go back to the garden and Adam and Eve and just the original, you know, primordial line, every woman in her heart has a question of, am I, am I desirable? Mm. You know, am I beautiful? Do you want to have a relationship with me? And it goes far beyond even physical appearance. Like, am I enough for you to want to stay? A am I enough? Am I a good mother? Can I love, can I give the gift of myself and love? Every woman wants to, to be a life bearer, both, you know, biologically and spiritually. And so I think our lives, like where the enemy situates those and then where it hurts us are most deeply in relationships. Mm -hmm. So I think we, as women, the places of our hearts where we were not received or we were not found delightful or not found, you know, adequate enough. And those are the places I think women really, mm -hmm. really have hearts that have been pierced. You know, it has a lot to do. And, you know, love is always the deepest place of rupture. So like both men and women, but men bear it differently. Their question is not so much, am I lovely, but am I strong enough? So men have deep questions of, are they adequate enough? Can they protect? Can they give, can they provide, are they strong enough? And so, you know, when men, men's hearts are wounded by, you know, emasculating or belittling, it's just piercing for them, you know, cause it hits their lie. Whereas us, you know, am I desirable? Am I worth loving? Mm -hmm. Am I worth being there for when I don't have anything to offer? Do you still love me? Am I still good? So I think looking in those places of our hearts where our hearts have been wounded in the area of, of desirability of, of receptivity, you know, we took a, the feminine genius is to, to behold and to receive another. Those are the places I, I would really invite us to kind of look and see, you know, where have I been wounded and how am I living out of that wound or still passing it on to, to other people that, that will tell us deep things about ourselves. Mm. How does that show up for women? I know we talk about, I think it was Richard Raw that said that's that the things that aren't transformed are transmitted. Mm -hmm. So 
we do. We, we It spills out, doesn't it? Our, yes. our wounds spill out. So we might think that we're doing a great job stuffing them down or numbing them and carrying on, but they have a way of seeping out. And yes. as women, as lay women, you know, many of the women listening are mothers and, and doing mm. life in the trenches of the home and all of that sort of thing. Some of those wounds are seeping out. Like I know yeah. in my own life, I've seen it in other women's lives. Yeah. How can women sort of, I guess, go to that place of transformation? What can they practically do in their everyday life when they're running around after little children and, you know, mm. scrapping for every spare moment? What can they actually do? Because the Lord is still inviting us even in the busyness of our life. Yes. Yeah, I think one of the most common ways that manifests through women is through control, mm. <laughs> where when we feel unloved or un- unappreciated or uncared for, or things aren't going the way, I think one of our most natural tendencies is to want to control. Mm-hmm. So control our husbands, control our children, control relationships. And, and that just sucks the life out of everybody. And so I know for myself, when I find myself getting resentful or just find myself getting, you know, areas of hopelessness or just areas of frustration, like, okay, like what's you know, what's happening in my heart. And I think one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray during the day is we find ourselves becoming dysregulated or we find, you know, the continual patterns. And I like, I would highly recommend a healing journey for people, but you know, Jesus, tell me the truth. Like, what is the truth here? You know, what is, what is the truth? And what is the truth about myself? What is the truth about this other person? What are the truth about my kids right now? And like, how, how can I respond to this? And otherwise it just seems like, and yes, all of us have things that are overwhelming for us at times. And, and we have seasons in life that are just really difficult, but, but by and large, if, if my heart is continually closed off, I'm not receptive. I'm closed off and I'm heart, my heart's in deep pain. Oh gosh, like that, it affects us and it affects everybody else mm. around us. And so I, the, the number one book I recommend across the nation is be healed by Dr. Bob shoots. I highly recommend that. Um, which explains everything you and I have talked about today. Also his latest book called be restored is about healing sexual brokenness. And it's just in any, and not just like the big traumas, but any, all of us as men and women, none of us live as into the fullness of our masculine or femininity. And that is an outstanding book that I think also can help kind of look at the deeper places of our hearts and to help us understand, you know, maybe why I keep perpetuating these things on, but but I think, you know, in the quiet moments, if, as you're changing diapers or running after kids, like, okay, Jesus, just show me the truth about who I am. Like, I need to hear the truth. Like, tell me. And he never tires of telling us the truth. And it, it's often surprising in how, in the beautiful ways that he does it. Yeah. He does. It, and he's very gentle, isn't he? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. we judge ourselves so harshly in life. And as women, we can really mm-hmm. fall into judging others. But I, I think we're our own biggest critic. And I think the Lord is just waiting and he's just looking at us as little girls. And I think sometimes it's helpful to remember ourselves as a little girl. Do you know, remember that sweet little girl who either spun in a dress or who was running around in the field, like encounter her because that's, that's also who we are. Like that little girl inside of us who just needs that tender touch from the father to scoop her up and to draw her to himself and just to affirm her value and her dignity. I think so many of us need an encounter with the father like that. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. There's a beautiful quote by mother Teresa and she says, you know, bring all all you are suffering to Jesus, only open your heart to be loved by him as you are. And he will do the rest. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that because when we do come, he he's always there. He is always there. I'm wondering if you have any words for women who have been through a lot of difficulty or they're not quite there and they don't believe restoration is possible because of multiple disappointments or losses. What would you say Mm -hmm. to those women? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, those are hard places, aren't they? Mm, they really are. They're so they're so hard for us when our hearts become just so um, encircled in pain or frustration or disappointment, where it just feels like the sun will never come out again. And and those are deep places. And I just my heart deeply goes out. We all have those places, right, in our hearts. But my heart deeply goes out to people, to women especially that are just really struggling in those seasons. Those are really hard. And so just to offer you kindness there. And I, I think asking the Lord, you know, Jesus, Jesus, just be with me here. Like you just be with me here, be with me here. And, you know, we can all, you know, all of us, you know, utter the words of the servant in the gospel, like, Lord, I believe help my unbelief, Mm -hmm. like help me in the places where it seems too dangerous to believe. It just seems too risky to hope again. It just seems too overwhelming to, to have joy, like, Lord, please come and, and, and just to be open to whatever response the Lord's inviting from us as well. Cause there's always a response, like love always requires a response, but I think, you know, it's, it's easy for us to kind of, like you said, so well, isolate ourselves and kind of wall off in our own identity of victim, our own identity of darkness. And, and, um, the Lord's inviting us, you know, to, to open our hearts or even just for a little. And I think, and we also need other people. And that's what I love about your, you're talking about how you as women did the book study together. And we need other women, like we need other people in our life to help us. Like we, Christianity is a fellowship. It's not meant to be lived in isolation. And so, maybe it's time to reach out to somebody and say, hi, I need some help. You know, I need to talk to somebody about this. I need whatever that is. Like there's always a next right step for each one of us. I really believe that. And so all the places where we feel stuck or powerless. Okay. Jesus says he's the way I've been really praying about that for like the last year. I'm like, okay, Jesus, you say you're the way. And I don't say like, there's a way, like, it feels like there's no way out of this, but you ha- you're the way. So there has to be a way. So Jesus show me what that way is. I don't know what it is, but and oh, he will show you. <laughs> he will show you. That's for sure. Yeah, yes, he does. I mean, he takes you through the valleys, but we, yes. you know, Psalm yep. 20 see, 23 says we walk through the valley. Yes. We don't stay there. So we come yeah. through it. So yeah. 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 Thank you so much, Sister Miriam. Such a beautiful conversation. I, I know oh, you mentioned you. Um, the book, Be Healed and Be Restored. Mm-hmm. You have a mm-hmm. couple of other books. Would you share just briefly about those with us as well? Sure. 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 Well, my first book is called loved as I am. And that was written about 10 years ago. And it's a journey of the theology of the body with um, what it means to be human, what it means to love. And it has a lot of my own story in it. So it's woven around the catechism and just, and it's, it's short and it has some journaling questions at the end of every chapter, but it's short on purpose. And my heart then, as it is still now, is that when you read it, you, you walk through it. And when you close the book, you say, okay, I want to get honest about my life or, okay, I want to tell this story or, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to, for you to come to this part of my life. So it's a very small book and it's, uh, you know, just a great intro to healing. And then my most recent book is restore. So it's really like 10 years. It's almost like, like, what have I learned in 10 years? Like, how has it deepened? And it's, it's seasoned around Lent, or, you know, no pun intended. It's wrapped around the season of Lent, but Um, but yeah, I've got so many videos out there and just a lot of different resources and just things. I do a lot of work, like with the John Paul II healing center. And we do a lot of retreats like that, but yeah, my heart is for people to encounter Christ and however I can help facilitate that and then leave you with the Lord. That's all I want to do. So that's the best thing. That's the best part is like, Oh, you encountered Jesus. Amen. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, sister Miriam, thank you so much for joining us. I'm wondering if you would close in prayer for us today, just a prayer, because I know when we have these conversations, they stir our heart and they bring things that are buried to the surface. And I'm just wondering if you can pray over the women listening as we close today. I'd be delighted. I'd be delighted to do that. Yeah, let's do that. In the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. 
Amen. Now, Jesus, we just thank you for your kindness. And I thank you for the tenderness, Lord, and the reverence of your love. And I ask that for each one of us here today, each one of us listening, that you would gently just wrap us in your love. I pray that the safety of your love would press out any places of fear or anxiety. I just pray, Jesus, that you would cover us in your precious blood, that you would cleanse us, that you would wash us. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would just be so present in every part of our hearts. We surrender our hearts to you, Lord, and we ask that you would tend to these places. And I just ask Jesus that for each one of us, you would just show us just gently what is the next right step for each one of us? What is the next right step for us? I pray that you would fill us with hope, Lord, with the truth of your love that never ends, that never tires of seeking us, that just absolutely continues to pursue our hearts in deep love and care. You're so caring, Jesus. We thank you. I just pray that you would bring us to life, Lord. Bring us to life in new ways. Holy Spirit, bring our hearts to life. Just melt anything frozen warm, anything that is chill. Come, Holy Spirit. Renew the graces of our confirmation of our baptism. Renew the graces for those of us married. Renew the graces of our marriage sacrament. Just renew those graces of love, that covenant love, Lord. I ask you, Father, that you would father us as your daughters. That even today you would show us just one small way that you are a good father to us, that you delight in us. And Mother Mary, we turn to you as our, as our mother. We ask for healing, especially any places where femininity has wounded us. I just pray, Mother, that the truth of your goodness, of your attentiveness, of your strength, of your kindness, of your nurturing would heal each one of us in the place we need it the most. We need you, Mama. So I just pray that you would wrap us in your mantle and just let us rest upon your heart. That you would bring us to peace and healing in your son. We pray for the intercession of our, all of our guardian angels at this time. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, ladies, I hope and pray that that conversation was a blessing for you. It was such a gift to have Sister Miriam on the Genius Podcast. And I'd just love to invite you that if the Holy Spirit has started to stir things in your soul during that conversation, if things are coming up for you, I want to really encourage you to take that to the Lord in adoration, to sit before Him and ask Him to reveal to you the work that He wants to do in your heart. As Sister Miriam mentioned, there are a number of resources that are available to help you go deeper with this content, a number of books, which I will place in the show notes. But ladies, if you need some help, if you need some companionship walking through this journey, we also spoke about the importance of connection. Now, now this connection can come through friendship, but it can also come through spiritual direction, counseling and coaching. Often when those wounds start to surface in our life, we need connection and we need companionship to help us walk that journey of restoration. In our conversation, Sister Miriam and I spoke about this desire that we have for restoration and healing but that sometimes we can just keep returning to those same old patterns. We all want to be better versions of ourselves. We all want to grow into the fullness of who Christ has created us to be. But sometimes there's this resistance that happens. And in today's conversation, Sister Miriam and I spoke about how sometimes we can want to change a behavior, but then no matter how hard we try, we keep falling back into those same negative behaviors. 
But the thing is, we can't change the behavior unless we change the mindset that's behind that behavior. So in Catholic Coaching, we invite and we walk with you as you step back and you take a look at that mindset and those thoughts and the wounds that are driving a lot of the behaviors and the actions and the results in your life. In Catholic Coaching, we teach you to become a student of your interior life. We teach you how to live with intention and also how to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So ladies, if any of this resonates with you and you feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit to take action, can I invite you to send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co, and I can send you some more information about our Catholic coaching programs for women. The other way in which we are supporting women in this journey of restoration is through the Genius Project Catholic Women's Masterclass. During this four-month journey, we walk you through four rhythms of renewal that will help you live a life of wholeness, integration, and balance in Christ. The doors to this masterclass are now open. We're looking to kick off in just under two weeks. So if you are interested, once again, you can find out more on our website, www.geniusproject.co, or you can send me an email, karen at geniusproject.co. Ladies, I really want to encourage you throughout this week to take this conversation between Sister Miriam and I to prayer, whether that's carving out space in your room or going to sit before the Blessed Sacrament. I really hope and pray that you would open yourself to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in your life at this moment. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.